Hey, fans of VG Mechanics, better known as The Riveted. It's May 25th. We got a brand new episode for you. I'm Joel, as always, and with me is. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Jason. I think the best way we can start this episode out, Jason, is with our news about our show. Uh, a couple things, real quick here. We did hit 300 a while back, which, what does that mean, Jason? That means we will be doing a Q&A sometime. We're still working out the logistics, but it will be happening. Absolutely. And we hit 325. What does that mean, Jason? <sighs> that means that I now have to do a Dungeon Crawl Classic with you and probably your brother, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, and I'm hoping your wife, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she would love to be a part of that. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, she's a really good role player, actually. Yeah, So she likes it. I told my brother there's role-playing stuff at Origins, at least nominally, and it made him way more interested in going, so we'll see. Uh, may have a special kid brother correspondent, <laughs> I don't know. There is a live-action role-playing, too, if he's into that. Yeah, like Real Dungeon, right? Or something like that? Yeah, and there's also people hitting each other with um, foam swords, which is pretty cool. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Sell all my board games now. <laughs> the other thing I want to mention real quick is... Uh, corrections so here are some corrections that i need to make where i screwed up in the last episode i said that the exclusive part of the new ticket to ride was it's exclusively two players i saw that in an early article but then i think that was redacted it's actually two to four players ah. uh, but it's exclusively a target game so that's the part that is the exclusive on that cool and that means it'll probably be 25 bucks and go on sale 30 percent off every other week for 18 at least i hope yeah. Because uh, it looks kind of a cool little game. Uh, and then the other correction is, I talked about Dominion, gave it three wrenches, and I gave it three wrenches worth of correct facts because the actions in Dominion aren't the number of cards you're allowed to buy. Those are buys. Um, actions are the number of cards you're allowed to play. So they're kind of closely related, but not the same thing. So that said, I still feel the same way about Dominion. Three wrenches. Yeah, and I didn't think about it when you said that. Like, I didn't pick up on it. So yeah, that was our bad, I guess. Yeah, I still think the spirit of what I said, that that's a clunky way to do it, stands. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it's all good. All right, so heading over to the news. Um, I just have some quick Kickstarter stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, I actually didn't have time to dive into Kickstarter today, so I put my lovely wife on the case, and she found three games that she thought was interesting. So I'm going to talk about those. And I think they're kind of interesting too. So let's see how it goes. First one is New Corp Order by Two Tomatoes Games. Uh, this is by the same guys that designed Peak Oil, if you know anything about that. It just was on Kickstarter not too long ago. And this is an area control hand management game where you're trying to put cubes down on these little locations so you can take control of these cards to get them into your hand to score a pile of points. I don't know a ton about it. I even watched a review and I still don't really know how it plays. But the artwork looks cool. So I thought I would mention that. Huh. I don't know anything about Peak Oil either. But I trust you. I'll look that one up. Yeah, the artwork, if nothing else, the artwork on this game is really neat looking. It's kind of like a, a stark cartoon, but really sleek, straight lines. It's, it's really neat looking. Hmm. All right. The next game I have is called CIA Collect It All by Mike Masnick. And the interesting thing about this game and why I wanted to talk about it is it's designed by an actual CIA analyst and they use it to train new CIA members on how to collect intel and interrogate people. 
and literally there's nothing on how the game plays really on the website other than it feels like munchkin sort of but with cooler cards like there's one of the cards was cuban missile crisis then there was like russian spy or something it was pretty neat so i thought that was cool just because it was designed by a non-board game designer so that was worth mentioning yeah two things on this one let me see if i follow this correctly on what you just said designed by a cia agent based on how they teach cia agents to deal with interrogations yeah well, and it's a lot like munchkin yeah sorta i mean <laughs> It's not really interrogation. It's about how to collect intel. So Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, I don't know how that relates to the real world, but hey, it must work. I mean, the CAA is pretty good at collecting what they need. So man, yeah. their training clearly Munchkin's is Munchkin's all about how to get intel, and Ogre is how we train our generals for like ground combat. Battles. <laughs> Steve Jackson treating our government right. He's, he's America's number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now moving on to not Steve Jackson. Um, and in politics, you play revolution, I think, to get into politics. So That's true, yeah. Negotiation and bribery, yeah. Next game is by Bruno Catala and Florian Syriax. I'm not sure if that's how you say his name, but it's called Imaginarium, the Dream Factory. And this game is from the publisher Bombix, which they did Abyss and some other really overproduced games. And this one falls right in line with that. It has amazing bits and... Amazing artwork. This is essentially just a resource management game and some contract fulfillment, but you're doing it by going as like selecting a spot you want to go to. And then based on who's the closest to the starting spot, they'll go first and you'll go around and you're trying to draft machines, run the machines, fix the machines. And you get to take a couple actions over your turn and whoever has the most points wins. It seems fun. It's not like the most complex of games, but it's Bruno Catala, so I'm sure it's pretty good. Pay attention to the show notes on this one so you can find out what the new name of this game is because once the Dream Factory people find out about this game, it will be called Imagination, <laughs> the fun times with big gearboxes <laughs> that's or true. something. I forgot about the Dream Factory thing. That's true. Well, that's what happened with Forbidden City too, right? So and now it's like some like Golgan or I don't even know what the name of it is now. <laughs> yeah, I don't even try to say it because I have no idea. Well, whatever it is, I'm going to hear someone else say it and then say, yeah, this game's awesome because <laughs> that game is awesome. Yeah. If you haven't checked that one out, uh, it's called Forbidden City on Kickstarter. If you look up Forbidden City Kickstarter, it's still there. Um, worth mentioning, it has no days to go. All right. You, you know what? If you are like listening to this, like in the first few hours the show came out, you might just sneak in because I think it's got, I think it ends on Friday. Not sure what time. Sorry that you just found out about it now and maybe you can late pledge. I don't know. Yeah, probably. You should have listened to early episodes where we were talking about how awesome it was. That is true. Uh, all right, Jason, I've got a couple little things too. And by the way, like while I'm thinking of it, uh, what the heck, man? If you're new to the show, you, you might be new to the show because we've had like an uptick in listeners a lot lately. So yeah, it's awesome. thank you for joining us and listening. And we had like a storm of likes in the last two weeks. So uh, the growth has been amazing. Keep telling your friends, uh, leave us ratings and all that kind of stuff because we love how much we're growing. Um, but if you're new to the show, yeah, you can listen to some of the old stuff. Um, but we're kind of all over the place. Like we're still trying to find our voice a little bit. I think we know that we're goofy. We're not sure how goofy we are sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, my new stuff I've got is uh, this is – okay, I'm going to save the best news for last, Jason. The next the next piece of news I'm going to put up is Z-Man's reprinting some games, which is definitely headline-worthy news. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, 
they sold Arboretum to what Renegade now or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, so like that one, who cares? But they're actually reprinting Parade. They're reprinting some of the expansions for um, Pandemic. So any of those copies of On the Brink you've got that you're trying to sell for like four hundred dollars or whatever, maybe mark them half off at two hundred and still make a nice profit. Um, and if you're thinking about buying a copy of On the Brink at four hundred dollars. I would suggest maybe don't even buy it at twenty dollars because it's not that awesome. But um, that's just me and not liking Pandemic that much. But amongst the other reprints, our Stone Age is coming uh, back in print. It's always out of print. It feels like um, Ar- uh, Archaeology is coming back. Funny thing about that one, I just played that this weekend, and my buddy was going to buy one, and he's like, "Dude, this is like seventy bucks on eBay." <laughs> yeah, and uh, the one that I'm excited about is Parade. For sure. I've heard really cool things about it. And when it's in print, it's only like 11 bucks. When it's not in print, it's a lot more than 11 bucks. Uh, that's just kind of how the market goes, though. Is that the little like Alice in Wonderland looking Cheshire cat thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a really good game. Huh. Um, I've heard a lot of people who enjoy it. And it seems like it's right up my alley. I have another correction I should do, too. That my number one favorite card game probably is Linko. And I totally didn't mention that last episode. Oh, yeah. That's just a that's just a bonus, like five seconds there for you guys. <laughs> all right. So anyway, Z-Man has a page with all the reprints up on it, and there's a lot of reprints happening. So I don't know. It doesn't say happening this month. It doesn't say happening next year. It just says happening. It's at the printers right now. So I'm I'm guessing they're going to want those back in stock by Gen Con. Um, that's kind of the pressing thing now. Uh, if not Gen Con, then Essen probably. But it seems like the American publishers try and do stuff at Gen Con more. So I'm guessing they're looking for Gen Con. Uh, so the big, big news that I have right now, if you go to homestarrunner.com and don't click on characters or tunes, but click on, we have a Kickstarter coming. They're actually doing a board game uh, this fall, a Trogdor card and board game. No way. Um, yeah. And it's got some pretty cool gameplay. It's like, Munchkin-esque almost, and like it's like card play and adventuring and take that and like just pretty funny. But there's a there's a video of it at PAX East. They were playing it and the video is up on YouTube. So if you look up like Trogdor board game, you'll find that. And it's kind of fun because one of the brothers, Chap, is like wearing this like monk's outfit with like this huge hood over his face. And then he has a Strong Bad puppet and Strong Bad's teaching them how to play. And it's just kind of awesome. So That is uh, awesome. That is awesome. Anyway, a Homestar Runner board game. It's the uh, license that we've all been waiting and hoping for to to come into existence here for us. So uh, look for that one coming up here before too long. Dude, that is super awesome. I wasted so much time in my high school years screwing around on that website. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. And then you go back there and you're like, oh, man, this runs on like some ancient code of Flash. I don't know yeah. what this is about. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Yep. And it eats your battery. So if you try and watch Homestar Runner on your Android device, you'll get through like half a cartoon before like your battery is dead. <laughs> so for those of you that are under the age of 30, HomestarRunner.com um, is an awesome website that you should check out. And if you're new to this and have never gone to HomestarRunner.com, like you can catch up on all our episodes you miss in the next month while that consumes your life like later. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. And make sure you watch Strong Bad's emails because they are hilarious. <laughs> yep. Uh, and you'll understand jokes like, come on, get in the boat, fish, fish, and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so good. All right. Cool. Uh, that's it for news, I guess. 
Jason, what did you play this last weekend? All right. So funny thing here. I spent another weekend playing some Euro-E Ameritrash games. Dudes on a map. Yep. Dudes on a map. And I played a game by Mr. Ameritrash himself, Eric M. Lang, and I played Godfather Corleone's Empire. I think Eric Lang is Canadian, if I remember right. <laughs> I think that could be whatever. He still makes a lot of Ameritrash games. Canada trash. Canada trash. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Godfather, I don't know if you know much about it, but essentially it's a worker placement game where you're also trying to, you're collecting resources to fulfill these jobs to give you cash. You're trying to get the most money in your briefcase at the end of the game. And you're also trying to control territories, have the area majority in like these six areas based on the characters that you play. And you're also, there's a little bit of take that. So like you can kill other people's thugs and throw them in the Hudson River. Um, You can boot people out of other spaces and take it over as your own. It's a really fun game. Uh, It was four rounds. You play, I think, like 15 guys total, maybe a little more, 18 guys. So you're only taking about 18 to 20 actions. It flew by and it was so much fun. Right after I played it the next day, I was trying to find a copy of it for cheap. Really? Yeah, it's good. This game, um, I think, is the number one example I have of a game that was like fulfilling or fulfilling or the pre-orders were shipping and everyone was just all about it. And then seriously, a week later, people were like, it's okay. I don't know. So I don't know what to think about it. The fact that you're into it like this tells me it's pretty awesome. Um, and it seems like it's way more my kind of game than your kind of game, honestly. Uh, I don't know. It's actually really Euro-y. Uh, if it didn't have some of the job cards where you can kill other people, it would feel just like a Euro game with area control. And there's there's bidding in it. It's crazy. There's bidding. There's um, different rounds. You get extra people. There's random buildings that you flip over. There's tiles that you place on the board. This is a Euro game through and through with a tiny bit of take that. But you really have to work to do the take that. So if you want to kill some people, you have to sacrifice doing something else that could benefit you a little more to kill some other people's dudes. I just thought of a new segment for our show, Jason. Maybe we won't do it soon, but at some point, have to get like a random generator website or something where we put like the 25 mechanics that exist and pick three of them. And then the 25 themes that exist and put them in there. And like maybe put like a bunch of adjectives too. So then it'll generate like a area control, trick taking, worker placement <laughs> game that's in a dystopian uh, Mediterranean sea trading situation. And like you and I have to like, you know, come up with the premise for that game and what it looks like on, on the air, just on the spot. So maybe that's what Eric Lang does. That's kind of what I was thinking, honestly. <laughs> this one's drafting and Vikings and miniatures. Uh, also it's got like a tableau thing where you're trying to build a <laughs> tribe. Yeah. Th- like really the only reason I even wanted to play this because Eric Lang is like, you know, he's the hotness in a lot of circles and the only game I've ever played of his is dice masters. And I was like, man, I need to play a game that's not dominion with dice. So Jim had this game and he brought it over and we played it and it was really fun. I'll bet you've played an Eric Lang game that you don't know that was an Eric Lang game. Cause he's made so many games. Maybe. I mean, I try to be I try to to know that stuff when I play a game, and I don't remember playing any outside of Dice Masters. I don't know. Well, I mean, every game with dice in it, he made. So, <laughs> I mean, if you can think, Marco Polo, that's his. <laughs> Eric Lang, yeah. <laughs> um, Yahtzee, Eric Lang. Every game with dice. Uh, 
Dice Buddies, the uh, Perfect Strangers dice game. <laughs> that's his. Yeah, he's everywhere, man. Eric Lang is amazing. Have you played Dice Buddies yet? It's a really good game. It's pretty pretty gratuitous art in the game, but I mean, other than that, it's really good. Like Dice with Buddies? No, no, no. It's it's called Dice Buddies is the name because they couldn't get the name Perfect Strangers. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, based on the old, you know, Balky Bertakamus and <laughs> yeah. Cousin Larry Appleton TV right, show. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's really good. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's what I got. You can go ahead and talk about your uh, fantastic I, my game. My big dream right now, Jason, I'll know we've made it as a podcast. When someone submits that to Board Game Geek and it's ex- it exists. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> and I'll really know we made it when Eric Lang makes that game for real. Which, yeah, I mean, like he might. like He yeah. could just be like, hey, it's a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> These guys are being, you know, total jerks. Whatever. I'll make that game. You, they, you, don't, you don't think I will? <laughs> yeah, he probably yeah he probably already has it designed. He's just tweaking it. He's got to throw in some Vikings and some drafting or something. It really is the uh, the license he's waiting for the Perfect Strangers license. <laughs> uh, it can be a bear. My full house game has been on the shop floor for a long time because DJ Tanner will not sign the papers to let me make that game. <laughs> it's it's more of a role playing system than a board game, really. But right, you know, yeah. I figured you'd get hung up on the. Um, Uncle Jesse's permission. No, no. John Stamos was all about it. <laughs> he, he, all his only request was you had to do the theme song in the commercial that was Forever by the Beach Boys. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's on all the trailers. <laughs> well, and like the game, I'll just go ahead. I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day, so I'll just tell you guys about the game. You basically pay as one of Comet's puppies, and you pick a card, and it has a color on it, and you move up a colorized track. And sometimes you, you know, run into some perils and you have to go back to a spot like previous on the board. And also, um, it's called um, Treatland, the hunt for (laughs) Comet's baby's treasure. And there's a guy named Glumpy um, and he's very beginning. And then there's Lord, Lord Candy Strings at the end. And it's just pretty cool. You just draw a card and go to the color and. It's a lot of fun. I like it. I'll buy two. Yeah. Comet's <laughs> Quest for Glory and Candy with its babies. Uh, the Full House game. Official. And like I, I get why it's taking a while because Hasbro is looking at buying Asmodee. So, I mean, if they can't get that worked out, I, it definitely won't see the light of day because Hasbro has the lifetime infinite license for Full House. So, I mean, it's one of those hurdles. They probably do. I wouldn't. Be, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they had a bunch of crazy licenses like that just sitting on them, waiting to retheme Candyland or like um, <laughs> um, whatever that other ch- Hi Ho Cherio game into something else, like Family Matters or something. Steve Urkel's <laughs> Don't Break the Ice. <laughs> it's electronic. Did I do that? <laughs> yes, you did. You broke the ice. Good job. Uh, all these games, like people are going to leave this podcast sad this week because they're going to be like, man, I just really want Steve Urkel's Don't Break the Ice and I'll, I'll never see it. <laughs> Don't wait, Carl. The- that's the past. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, St- Steve Urkel's Ants in the Pants and it's like extra high <laughs> pants that you have to like flip the little like ants into. Oh, that's so hilarious. Oh, man. Those are some good quality yeah. TV shows right there. Mr. Cooper's Cootie. Um, <laughs> oh, that's that. Yeah. The whole TGI Friday 
like game pack is like you can buy all the modules in one big box and play them however you want. So it's pretty fun. <laughs> oh, I think we need, um, I think we need to move on. <laughs> I played uh I played Indian Summer this weekend, Jason. Um but I played the uh the rethemed one uh with um the facts of life folks on it where if you get a uh <laughs> If you get a 2D, you get like to go double turns. And if you get, I don't even know the characters on Facts of Life, so I'm done with that. Um, Indian <laughs> Summer is a good game. Um, it's actually, it's more thinky than I want a game like that to be. So I'm done with it. I could never play it again and be okay with it. Um, but if somebody wanted to play it, I'd play it again. It's just a lot of thinking for like putting like poly Tetris shapes whatever they're called onto a board and then like having the holes line up just the right way and i don't know i'm not good at the game honestly um i'm okay at it um but i think it's one of those games that if somebody really loved it they'd get way better than everybody else by playing it 100 times and uh it's just a lot of thinking for what it is honestly i think patchwork is perfectly fine um i know it's only two players but i don't know it's just a lot of thinking because you're trying to go as fast as you can and optimize every move you can get. And then you have to think like five pieces out because you have like five pieces that you have to basically use in your, in your little set there. And then you're like, Oh, when do I jump and get the next five pieces because of the right ones. And so this game would be like the worst experience of your wife's life because she doesn't like the more simple games like this. And this one would just be absurd for her. She would like, she'd probably like, need some kind of like acute care for like the kinds of like trauma that she would face from this game, honestly. So, uh, based on what I know about how little she likes these kinds of games and it's like the game of that where it's the most like dependent on you being quick at figuring out how like four shapes go together without actually putting the shapes together on your board. So, uh, it's not great. I mean, it's the first game that I'm going to say gets a meh rating from me. It's fine, but it's, it's something that I wouldn't, you know, seek out to play. How does this compare to Patchwork? Is Patchwork better? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, it's only two players, but I think I like the little button economy, and it's just simple. This right. one's way more complex, and just, I don't know. It's like, I don't even like that mechanic of putting down different shape pieces that much. It's fine. It's okay for a little light game, but it's like, they're trying to make that mechanic super heavy. Um, and I think Baron Park does it just just right. I mean, like it does just the right amount of it. Whereas Indian summer with like, I don't know how much you know about the game, but there's these little holes in there that you're trying to line up in addition to fitting them on the spots. And then beyond that, you're trying to get the holes to make certain shapes, not only to expose like different rewards you can get, but so you can put these little animal tiles over the top of those yet. So it's just, it's, it's pretty absurd kind of. So anyway, and then there's like a hierarchy of like two acorns makes a leaf and two mushrooms makes a blueberry and two blueberries makes an acorn and like this whole cycle of how you can trade goods and stuff and it's like i don't even feel like you can utilize that stuff because the game's over so quick like seriously we got done in maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes and i think it says 15 minutes per player but we just went really quick and it was just cover up as much as you board as you can in each turn and be done so i don't know a little disappointing honestly is that the the second one, or is Cottage yeah. Garden the second one? Cottage Garden was the first. This is the oh, second. Okay. All right, all right. So, and it's supposed to be headier and whatever, and it definitely is. But it's just, I don't know, man. Like who, 
who's is like who's the player that's like I really want something that's going to be brain burning and make me really use all my concentration and ability to, to you know like string together like logical thoughts and they go ah I know what I've been dying for a game with Tetris pieces that go onto a board and has squirrels and adorable foxes <laughs> like I don't know I just don't right. for the amount of brain powers that game takes I'd rather play something else probably. Just my personal opinion. I know people like this game. It's pretty well critically received, um, but it's just not for me. Yeah, I mean, Uwe is so confused. Like, I don't know. He's kind of... I have mixed mixed feelings about him because I love Agricola and I really like Lahav. But after that, man, he's got the same game that he's made five times. Right. I mean, yes, Agricola is good, but then you make Gaberna, you made Aura at Labora. Then you had uh, Feast for Odin. Then you made all right. these other polyomino games. It's- well, and then even like Lahav has a lot that's borrowed from that same kind of system too. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. it's got the Agricola so, worker deal. Yeah, and feeding people. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah. So well, and then and then uh, I don't know. It's just weird. Like it's just real weird. He made like bonanza and then right. and then well, he made those super heavy heavy games yeah and then he's like leaving those super heavy games now he's doing these like polyomino kind of games or whatever so uh it's just a weird progression of of stuff that he's done i like i think i said i was done with his games a while back and i've bought two games of his since then so um i don't know i think i really am done with his games for now until he moves on to his next kick whatever it is I don't know, like, he's going to make six versions of randomly generate three mechanics. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be set collection, dice, and, um, oh, what's another mechanic that doesn't get used very often? Uh, like that tower that randomly drops things out of it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so the dice tower. So it's going to be dice on a tower that you make a collection out of. So random dice fall out, but then you can minimax your, you know, like how you draft. And yeah, that, actually, we're developing a game here. Man, yeah, that's really a good idea. And it could be the Boy Meets World official dice game. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just thinking, like, before you started doing the random uh, generation game, I actually thought. It's about time for him to do a dice game because I don't think he has any of those. Yeah. Topanga and Corey's Dice Blender. <laughs> you got to feed them after every round, too. <laughs> if not, uh, <laughs> dude, Boy Beats World gets talked about a lot on our show. It really and, does. And I think the neighbor's name was Feeny. I think that your your yeah, wife like made yeah. sure we knew that afterwards. Mr. Feeny, so, yeah. He's also the yeah. principal. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is you've got to feed Eric and his zany friend. Sean. Did he have a zany friend? Yeah, his name's Sean. Yeah. Well, no, Sean was Sean was Sean was Corey's friend, right? Uh, Didn't, oh yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Somebody and then was a Eric brother. Eric had like a little like Weasley friend that was like I don't remember his name. Yeah, that could anyway, be. If you don't feed him, then you have to like eat their little sister. So, <laughs> which is kind of messed up. It's like Donner Party ish. <laughs> yeah, we took a turn here. <laughs> It's a cold winter at the <laughs> at the Corey Topanga household. Yeah. Uh. All right. So your password for this week is what was Corey's last name on that show? Because I don't know. And I just called him the Corey Topanga household. So, and it's not Topanga. That's not the last name. <laughs> I think Katie will set you straight probably. Just give it a it's, couple minutes. Uh, 
Yeah. Is it Matthews? Mr. Matthews. I don't know. I think it is. Yeah, that does sound right, actually. Yeah, I think you might be right. We're totally wrong, but it sounds good enough for each of us. <laughs> well, anyway, look for our Kickstarter, the Board Game Mechanics, bringing you Corey and Topanga's Fog of Dice, coming to you soon on Kickstarter. So, <laughs> And it'll make a killing because we're going to put random minis in there that you don't even use in the game. It's just going to come with minis. Heck yeah, man! It's gonna have uh, it's gonna have an Alf mini. It's gonna have a uh, Steve Urkel. It's gonna have a Noid. Avoid the Noid. Noid miniature. Oh, ooh, that would all be sweet. the good things. I want the Noid. Yeah, me too, dude. I had a Noid mini at one time. A little plastic guy. I wonder what happened to him. Uh, he probably just became uncool, and you got rid of him. That'd be my guess. He was garage sale fodder. <laughs> now some. Yeah. Now some. Uh, some guy who probably looks a lot like me, but owns a comic book store, has it on the shelf. <laughs> Some other sucker. <laughs> uh, no way, man. I'm the sucker. That thing's worth like 50 bucks now. That's true. I sold it for a nickel at my garage sale. <laughs> All right. That's enough, Goofy. Let's get, let's get very serious now. It's time to put a game in the Hall of Fame. All right, Jason, it's time to put a game in the Hall of Fame. What are we putting up this week? All right, so this week we're going to talk about uh, Viticulture by Stonemeyer Games. I'm sure you guys probably already know how we feel about this, but we figured we would make it official and go ahead and talk about it and give it an official wrench rating. Yep. If you've listened to an ounce of this show, you know <laughs> that we love this game. Yes. And it's clearly going in the hall. <laughs> yeah, clearly. But Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> well, let's just talk about why it's awesome. Yeah, so this is the story where we start at the ending, and then we go back to the beginning. So, flashback, flashback. <laughs> the game is in the Hall of Fame. Now we give it a rating. <laughs> How did it get there? <laughs> uh, components are perfectly awesome. The art's really good. I love the art in this game, actually. It just feels really good. Um, feels like a nice painting, kind of, of you know, a vineyard and it's just nice. Um, the graphic design works. It all makes a lot of sense. There's words on the board where there should be words, which is a novel idea. Instead of putting like six arrows and five symbols for all those games, they try and make completely multilingual. Right. Yeah. I really like that. They like, Hey, put a guy here and then you can plant. That's awesome. The word plant can be on there. It's fine. So I like it. Yeah, I agree. I really like the art. I like the different shape wooden pieces. There's a wooden piece for every single thing that is on your board, a windmill, all your cellars are different sizes, um, your ox, whatever that is, the thing you can use to rip up weeds. Yeah, this yeah is the a, wagon. This is, yeah, the wagon. Yeah, this is a great game. I give components and board a five for sure. And then Tuscany has the cool little painted old like mama meeple and the papa meeple and uh, it's just cool. They add even a couple little extra cool components in Tuscany. Yeah, that is so. cool. Components are awesome. Uh, and the graphic design and overall layout of the game is awesome. As far as the simplicity and accessibility to gamers, like this is one that I would play with like people who've maybe played Ticket to Ride. I think they're ready for it. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Katie, I think I've told the story before. Katie had a lady that she worked with, only played Ticket to Ride, and Bob Ross. She borrowed Viticulture, loved it, bought her own copy, and she learned to play it on her own. We didn't even have to show her. So, yeah. It's that easy. Uh, I'm going to backtrack a second here. One of the components that I think we take for granted in this game 
are those glass beads. I think those glass beads are brilliant because they're little magnifying glasses. So you can see exactly what the value of your grapes are and stuff. Yeah, that is um, cool. Where a lot of it, like a lot of not video games, board games, you put a little like opaque piece on there and you're like, is that a three underneath there or a four? And you like end up moving that piece like five times to remember what's there. Where this one, it's like, oh man, not only can I see through this, but it's magnifying it to like really know, let me know what the value of it is. So I, I, that's a cool thing too. But accessibility, it's the whole, the whole thing, like, I honestly, like, I don't know how you make wine, but to me, the process in that game makes sense. Like, it seems like, oh yeah, this is how you make wine. You grow grapes and then like you turn the grapes into wine and then you age them in a cellar and then you sell them, you know? I mean, like, it's a pretty logical progression. And I think honestly, this game almost, uh, I don't know if I'm going to quite say this, but I might say that something like this game where there's like several different kind of like parts of the board, not parts, but like parts of the process that go together to make a bigger process. Like that idea is almost borrowed from by other games, like even Dinosaur Island, like how it's like you do this part, which leads to this part, which leads to this part. Like that's definitely in Viticulture too. So, I mean, I'm not sure that that influenced like Dinosaur Island and stuff, but um, I don't know. It's a cool thing that I don't think we saw as much before Viticulture and now we definitely see it a lot. So it's been influential even in its gameplay. Yeah, I would agree. And going back to what you said a little bit about the writing on the board, this makes teaching the game so easy. Because I I do feel like a lot of people really do try to make every game multilingual. And I understand that's important. You want to sell your games in as many places as you can without having to make 100 different versions of it. But sometimes if it's not good for the game, you might not want to do it. And then I think Jamie looked at that and he's like, well, I'll put an Italian version and then I'll put an an English version on the other side. And then if we need a, some German, then I'll just print a German one because it just makes more sense. And it's, it lends itself to gameplay. It's function over, I guess, whatever the other term is function over beauty or whatever. Yeah. Um, form form is the word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking about like, while you were talking there, if you have to reprint the game because the cards only translated and stuff too, why not just do the board? And like, there are definitely some games where there's tons of symbols in the game and tons of language dependence, but then the board, for whatever reason, is just covered in symbols. So I don't know. Sometimes words are good, people. Like, we developed words a few thousand years ago because, <laughs> like, looking at pictures drawn on cave walls is hard. So I don't know. Like, use those words we learned to make. Right. Yeah. It was a big breakthrough. Totally agree. So that's that's a big plus for this game. Uh, so the fun factor, I really enjoy this game. It's one of very few games that I will actually play solo uh, and really enjoy it solo. Like, it plays so smooth solo. It feels like you're playing an app or something almost or like a computer game that, like, has an AI against you um, based on, like, that, like, score track that you have to keep moving up and how it blocks you at certain places, but it's not punishingly hard either. So it still has a lot of freedom. It's just a really fun game, I think, to play solo. It is, yeah. I Usually when I play it solo once, I usually play about two or three games just because it takes so long to set it up that I don't want to just play one game and put it away. Yep, I will agree. It's something that you do want to play a few times. Yep. All right, so all that being said, um, I'm going to give this game an overall rating of five wrenches just because, I mean, it's amazing. It's accessible. It looks good. It has great bits. Gameplay is amazing. It's easy to teach. Everything I like in a game, that's why it gets a five. I, too, give it a five. And it's in my top ten favorite games for a reason. Um, it's just a really good game. It's completely rock solid. 
There is nothing about this game that I would change. There's nothing about this game that I think needs tweaked. It's just perfect for what it is. And it's a five, and I would suggest it to 80 plus percent of the board gamers out there. And I would, it might be a 4.9. I'm not sure I'm getting up at three o'clock in the morning to play a game of this, but it's, I mean, like, honestly, I think at this point in my board gaming life, if if I had somebody come over to my house one weekend and say, hey, I'd really like to play this game, and then the next weekend a different person came over and said, hey, I'd really like to play this, I would be fine with that. So, um, yeah, I give it a five as well. Yep, so that means this game is now in the Hall of Fame, and by the time this episode comes out, it may or may not be in the Hall of Fame, depending on how motivated we feel. But, yes, this is the next inductee into the Hall of Fame for sure. Congratulations to Stonemeyer Games. And Viticulture for making the prestigious <laughs> Board Game Mechanics Hall of Fame. Yes. Someday this will matter. There's only three members, man. <laughs> yeah. He's in good company, too. PDB and the guy who did R- Royals, <laughs> whoever that is. <laughs> it's uh, Tony Hughes it's, or something. It's something like Uwe that. Vassal. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll look that up, and maybe we'll make a correction in the next episode, or not. All right. Well, uh, totally, like, we have more to talk about, but just something kind of fun is, for this next segment, I, like, searched for just my board game collection, and that's fun to do sometimes, just to see what you own that's out of print, and you're like, whoa, there's no way someone's really going to buy that for that price, because... No, there's no way. Um, but one that's making me do that right now is uh, Thebes. That game, like I got it for like 11 bucks and I me heard too. some good things about it. And I was like, ah, oh, 11 bucks can't go wrong. Now it's like out of print and it's like 70 bucks on Amazon. Like that's crazy to me. That is crazy. Yeah, that's a good game too. That's crazy. It is. It's really good. Uh, oh, that's a big one too. No, BSG. I knew that one was going to go up. Um, Battlestar Galactica. Like, I told people on a subreddit, I think, I was like, oh, man, there's this, like, it's the craziest thing. There's a school, like a boarding school that has a store where they sell stuff online. And it's like a fundraiser for them. So they sell, like, everything at MSRP. But, like, no one thinks to go buy board games there. And they consider these games, like, learning games, kind of, and, like, learning supplies. And I think it's specializes in selling stuff to teachers even but battlestar galactica was on there at msrp and i was like oh man make note of that because in two months that thing's going to be like it's going to be a grail game and someone was like why and i was like just pay attention and it's 250 bucks on amazon right now so that's crazy well anyway that was a nice little sidebar (laughs) this was your weekly trip through joel's mind (laughs) yeah we travel in there a lot i think yeah, it's it's a really fun place most of the time. <laughs> All right, so this week we didn't really know what we wanted to talk about. So we're going to talk about our favorite games that have a ranking above 1,000 in the BGG list. or Be- Well, above like numerically, but below... From a rating standpoint. So, like, rated... Right, right, right. Like, higher than... Yeah. Yeah. Lower in ranking, but a bigger number than 1,000. Yes. So, we each have three that we'll talk about. So, I will go ahead and start with my first one. Um, And I have Kingsport Festival, which is rated or ranked number 
1384. This is like the Cthulhu version of Kingsburg, but I actually like this better than Kingsburg because it has some card play and gives you some magic abilities that you can use. And everybody shares the same board where they're building the buildings. They don't all have their own player boards. And I really like this game. It's dice placement. You're calling on the powers of the Elder Gods to collect resources. I think they're evil fear and death. That sounds right. Or evil destruction and death, something like that. And then you're using those resources to build buildings around the map and different levels of buildings give you special powers. And you're also trying to make sure that you can take out the detectives and the investigators when they come around in so many rounds. And it's a fun game. I think it goes on a little longer than I would like. But outside of that, I really love it. Cool. Are we still doing Kratzer's Mad Money? Because I have a couple more. Um, Power Up expansion, $95 (laughs) right now. $95 for Power Up. Uh, I would sell my Power Up for $95 any day of the week. I would sell it on Christmas morning for $95. Power Up from King of Tokyo? Yeah. No way. And then I have a faction for Summoner Wars. It's $99 right now. And I paid a dollar for it, I think. That's ridiculous. That's yeah, crazy. sell. Kratzer says sell. <laughs> my my Eclipse expansion's two hundred nine dollars on Amazon right now. Dude, you could get like so many games for selling this stuff. Yeah, I know. Isn't it weird? I don't know if anyone actually buys them for that price, or if it's just like, eh, I'll put a ridiculous price out there and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's probably the, that's probably what happens. All right, my next game, Jason. My first game, even. <laughs> Well, it's your next game because you just did a sidebar again. But <laughs> uh, let's see what the MSRP on this game is. Um, see if Kratzer says buy or sell this game. <laughs> I, I'm not really going to do that unless I am. Um, my next one is okay. Cinque Terra is how I say it. Uh, it looks like Sinque Terry. Um, it's a cool little pickup and deliver game. Really simple, really cool little theme. You get to play with little Vespa scooters. Um, I really enjoy it. It's got like randomized marketing markets with dice rolls. Uh, very cool little game. Uh, Rio Grande Games put this one out a few years ago, and it was right after the time they put out Finca. Um, I think the games actually almost overlapped a little bit uh, based on what I saw Chris Handy say. It's a game by Chris Handy, if you haven't picked up on that. Um, but it is rated at 1307, um, which I think is a really good game. I have it personally ranked at like a 9.5, which I know I don't believe in odd numbers, but it's uh, it's out there. Um, also, the new on Amazon price on this game is $178.99. So I say sell. Sell it, <laughs> sucker, for 178 bucks. Yeah, so that's, that's crazy. It was Ding and Dent on Card House for like 27 bucks like two weeks ago. So I don't understand these prices on Amazon yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I saw that. I thought about buying it, but then I'll just play yours. Yeah, well, and like these prices on Amazon, are they like hoping some like Sultan is like, I don't even care what the money is. Just buy me a copy on Amazon <laughs> of Axis and game. Allies 1981 Game Masters for $179.95. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean... Lots of people have lots of money to spend. I guess. Not me. I'm selling that sucker. So if you'd like to buy my copy of Cinque Terra, uh, even though it's my number one ranked game over a thousand, I would definitely part with it for a hundred bucks. So sorry, Chris Handy. Anyway. That's okay. You know how many pack of games you could buy with that though? Oh my, you could buy all the pack of games. And by that, I mean like every (laughs) copy ever printed. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. What's your next one, Jason? My next one is, I don't know if many people know about this one, but I only bought it because 
well, my boy Rado ran through it. And it was like 10 bucks on Amazon. And this game is called Praetor. And it's ranked number 1924 on BGG. And essentially what this game is, you are Roman and you're using your dice as workers. They all start out with a value of one. So as you put them out on tiles to take actions, depending on what they do, how hard they have to work, they up their value. So they'll go from a one to a two when you bring them back home. Once they hit six, they retire. Then you have to pay them a pension. So you're earning money by going to spots on tiles to make sure you can pay your active workers and your retired workers. And you're also trying to make sure that you don't retire all your workers before you're able to hire new ones. So it's like resource management, but in a really different and funky way. And I thought paying the pension was awesome because I hadn't seen that done in a game before. Huh. Uh, it's a unique theme too. Ancient Rome. I don't know that I've ever heard of a board <laughs> game in that setting. Yeah, it is different. Yeah. No, I think you really love this game because it's been on clearance at my local shop. And every time I send you pictures of my local shops, like, hey, are any of these games good? You're like, Praetor. Praetor's really excellent. Uh, Praetor or whatever, how you want to say it. But yeah, I mean, like, it sounds like it's a solid euro and I don't understand why it's almost number 2000. I don't know. I think you'd really like it if you played it too. It's It's interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, all these picks are games I think we pick because we love them and think they're really good, and we don't understand necessarily why they're so low. Yep, agreed. And then I tried to avoid two games that are like brand new. Like so, I have a couple games on here that I could have put on there, like uh, Empires of the Void Two. It's going to end up being in the top one thousand once it gets out and gets played. But it's an awesome game, and right now it's like well into the thousands. But. Um, so all the games I picked are at least a couple years old and have settled kind of on their ratings. Um, and I think you probably did the same thing. Yep. All right. Well, my number two game is a game called Kings of Air and Steam. And I bought this game exclusively because of the steampunkish theme. Um, but then as I've played this game, I've been like, wow, this has got some really cool blends of mechanics in it. And um, it's... It's like got like a robo rally programming movement kind of thing in it with these zeppelins. And then you land your airships and deliver your goods based on having a railway network on the ground, too. And it's all a steampunk theme. It has a variant of it that's pretty accessible because it doesn't have any factions in it. And then you flip the boards over and everyone's got player powers. So a pretty neat game. I don't think this one's ever going to get a reprint because it just wasn't very successful uh, for TMG. Um, I think a lot of people love this game. It's like Scoville and this game have this like cult following that they just think this game's great and you'll hear them mention it and talk about it a lot, but it's very few people love it a lot and there's not a lot of copies of it out there. And I think that's why it's ranked so low. Um, so, uh, it's number 1355. Um, but it's a game that I really enjoy. Um, it's got like Belfort similar to Belfort art in it. Um, probably the same artist, honestly. Um, but just an excellent game uh, of pickup and delivery with like multiple stages to it and just some different kind of cool little things that go on in the game. Um, the boards are are pretty cool. They're these big hexes that you set up. or not, I think they might be triangles, actually. But um, you set them up differently every time you play the game. So it's got some variability um, with player count and stuff. So... Uh, just a neat game, Kings of Aaron's Team, and it's one that like no one's really ever heard of. Yeah, you've talked about this before, and I never even heard of it until I think you you had it on your top one hundred or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it has the cool like uh, hot uh, 
hot air balloons, right? Or no, zeppelins. Zeppelins, right? yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dirigibles. Yeah, yeah. It does seem kind of interesting. And I I mean, it seems like a simple pick up and deliver game, but it still seems pretty fun. It's got more to it than you might think. Um it's not like super light, but it's not heavy either. But the program movement part can kind of mess you up sometimes too. Right. Um, right. And then like it also has like the better cards or lower initiative kind of thing. So people can beat you to spots and just, I don't know, it's got, it's got some thinking and stuff to it. It's one that I need to get out and play. It's been a year or two since I played it. So, um, but one I enjoy. Kings of Air and Steam. This is the tiny epic galaxy guy, Scott Holmes. Yeah, he started off by making games for TMG, I think. And there was an expansion for this one as well um, that never got funded on Kickstarter. So, like, that's when they learned you have to put miniatures in every game. So, <laughs> Yeah. It's a rule, for sure. <laughs> yep. Epic Tiny Miniatures. It funded yeah. in minutes. <laughs> yeah. Kings and Aaron's team. The miniatures <laughs> miniature game. It's the game you play on the Zeppelins inside the Zeppelins <laughs> on Kings of Air and Steam. The Zeppelins are so big. Yep. They are huge. <laughs> All right. So my next game is a Philip DuBerry game that really doesn't get the love that I think it deserves. And that is Spirits of the Rice Paddy. This is probably my favorite Philip DuBerry game, even though I play Revolution more. And I only play Revolution more because it's easier to teach and it plays quicker. But Spirits of the Rice Paddy, you are trying to grow rice in a rice paddy, but you're also invoking Balinese spirits to come in and help you. They're going to give you special abilities that are really like game breaking powers. They're almost like Marco Polo powers. Like you want, you want to play all these cards, but you can only play four and you're recruiting little, little workers to help you. You're recruiting animals to move stones from the paddy. You're recruiting ducks to eat, eat the bugs and fertilize the paddies and, yeah, it's amazing. It's fun. It's interesting how the water flows from one paddy to another and it always flows downhill. So you want to make sure that you're building your paddy so the gates are downhill and you don't have to have the water flow up. Yeah, it's a good game. The rule book is kind of garbage and it makes it really difficult to play. But once you figure it out, it's a great game. Question. Did Rice Dice fund? Yeah, I think so. I think I saw it and it funded like 103, 104 or something percent. Cool. Uh, it was really close. That's the dice version of this game. Uh, this game looks really neat, and I've seen it a couple places in the wild, but you really don't see this one out there too much. Um, but it seems like as well a crafted Philip DeBerry game as there is out there, and it's different than his other games by quite a bit, it seems. So, Agreed, yeah. Uh, it looks like a neat game, and if I found a copy at a pretty good price at some point, I think I'd be really tempted to jump at it. Um, yeah. Uh, what I like about it, it has a, it has really nice wooden bits, and it has one of those boards that are inset, so when you put pieces on it, they stay there. Yeah. No game does, well, very few. Like Dinosaur Island does it. Few games do that, and that is so good. I don't know why more games don't do that. Clash of Cultures is the first game I knew that did it, and I was like, man, this is awesome. Why don't they do this more? Yeah, it's all. It, it's probably expensive, I'm sure. And then I played Eclipse, and I was like, this game needs it more than any other game ever, and they didn't. So. <laughs> terraforming, terraforming Mars, too. <laughs> yeah, and that's why you can buy those overlays at ridiculous prices for them, too. Right, yeah. All right, my last game, Jason, I don't know. This is one that I felt a little weird about putting on there because it is kind of new, but I don't know that it's ever going to break the top 1,000. Um it is Empires, which is a game by WizKids in their new, like, we actually make board games line. 
Um, <laughs> and you yeah. played this one with me. I kind of thought it was a neat game for how many people it can play. Yeah. I want to play it a few more times before I really make a final judgment on it. But um, it's basically um, a lighter version of, oh, why can't I think of the name of it right now? Their space trading game they had come out that was like all the rage. Sidereal Confluence. Yeah, it's it's a lighter version of that, I feel like. Um, less like empire building and like building of your own like player powers and more like in, like less engine building probably and more just good trade and trying to like see if you can negotiate with people. Um, but it's... It's a really interesting game um, because it's the most streamlined, warring kind of builds, create, building goods kind of thing that you can get out there. Um, it's basically just like a bunch of chits that are like, I don't know, it's like there's five different kinds of chits and there's like a million of each of those because you might potentially use them all. And then a few little player powers that kind of slightly influence the game. But then it's like, all right, here's what's available. And uh, who wants to take what contract? And then you kind of have to, from there, figure out who's going to fight the hardest and who's going to try and produce the most goods and have the most luxuries. And it all kind of plays out to get you victory points or negative points at the end, depending on what you can and can't do. Um, but it really is, it's at the heart of it, a negotiation and, and kind of trading game. The thing that's neat about it, though, is it plays from two to ten players. Um, so... And it kind of plays all in the same amount of time because you're kind of doing simultaneous actions. So um, I don't know. It's an interesting game. Um, it's another one, too, that, like, for sure, it's hard to find right now for some reason. So WizKids, I think, produced, like, two copies. I got one of them, and Tom Vassell got the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's seriously, like, and there's one other copy, too. It's on Amazon for $109. So, I mean, like... Yeah, I, I do have a copy. I, again, would trade it um, for two copies of Happy Pigs, the game that didn't make my list. Um, <laughs> but it could have. Yeah, it is fourteen uh, eighty-four, But I kind of refuse to acknowledge that rating because I'm fairly <laughs> sure. I want this show to be timeless. I want these games to be under 1,000. And I'm pretty sure that we're taking this one to the moon. Um, so... <laughs> Let's see what happens here. I'm going to put my rating of 10 in there because this is clearly a 10 game. And let's refresh the page and see if that moves it up at all. Oh, well, baby. It's like this the game third just rating hit, probably. This game just hit 1484, which is exactly <laughs> what it was. I'm going to rate it a one. I'm bringing it back down. Oh, Jason. How dare you? <laughs> I bid you good day. <laughs> all right. Tune into Board Game Mechanics next week when I talk... With my new co-host, <laughs> William Pigson, about Happy Pigs only, exclusively. He loves it so much he gave it an 11. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> he like, actually hacked the code in order to give it an 11. Oh, uh, that's funny. I know this isn't, like, you're, like, exactly your top five favorite game, but yeah, it is crazy to me that I didn't even think about it being in the under a thousand because it's just such a good game. Like I honestly think it's a great game. I don't know. Either people are polite that I play with, or like everyone likes it okay at least. No, it's a fun game. I liked it. Yeah, it's not something that I would be like, dude. I gotta play Happy Pigs. Forget the Gallerist or Combine. I'm playing Happy Pigs. But you know, it's a fun game. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah, you'll grow up but, someday, Jason. Let's hope so. You'll you'll grow from your childish Vita Lacerda games into a game where you put cardboard pigs with love charms on their necks on a cardboard grid. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a step up for sure. It is. 
And then that bacon festival card flips over. It's like winning at the back rack table or back rack. Is that what I'm thinking of? Roulette? I don't know. I don't know. Back rack is a piano player. <laughs> Burt back rack. Yeah. That's... <laughs> it's like when your numbers come up on the Mancala table. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Clearly, we do not go to Vegas. <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. It's like when you pull the one-arm machine and, and the cherry and the leprechaun and the four-leaf clove comes up, and you get a cereal bowl full of tricks that comes out the bottom. <laughs> actually, be Lucky Charms, wouldn't it? It would be Lucky Charms. That would be awesome, actually. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right, that's our password for the week. This is the real one. Lucky Charms <laughs> slot machine vending machine for breakfast. Like, How cool would that be? Every morning you go out... You put a little milk in a bowl, pull the arm, and your Lucky Charms comes out the bottom of a slot machine. And if you get all sevens, you get nothing but marshmallows. That would be sweet. Yep. Yep. And then your teeth hurt. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Those marshmallows are so sweet that they essentially have to mix dog food in with it. Like, the, like, granular other pieces are basically dog food. I mean, really. They really are. Yeah. And I know like three people out there are like, how does he know what dog food tastes like? Because I'm an honest person. Like all of us should be. We've all eaten dog food at some point in our life. Come on, admit it. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. If you're not, you're lying to yourself. You were trying to impress your friends or you were trying to, (laughs) you know, impress your dog or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I ate it. I wanted to impress the dog for sure. He was giving me funny looks. I was trying to show my dog, oh, you think you're too good for dry food? You want that wet from a canned stuff? Well, I'll eat this dry food. Look. Yeah. I remember uh, my son, when he first started crawling, we had to put the dog food up because every time we had, we'd go like check on him, and he'd have a mouthful. His like, cheeks were just stuffed full of dog food. Oh, that's like hilarious. Like a squirrel hoarding his dog food. <laughs> Hey, man, sometimes when your parents don't give you food, you got to make do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, um, as a frame of reference for how this ridiculous ep- this episode was, <laughs> look at the minute mark of your episode right now, okay? Uh, now, imagine we put in probably a good two, three minutes worth of bumper music in here. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe two minutes. But it says... Yeah. Um, um, hour and two minutes right now so i'm guessing you're looking down at your little podcast uh app and it's like this is minute 37 like what the heck happened to the other 23 minutes <laughs> either say a little thank you to jason or me that we took those out hopefully they, a good little episode came out for you guys where you yeah. can enjoy these these games that you may never have heard of so anyway yeah we'll do our best yep and before I go, I've got to do this. Something, something, fell effigy. Something. <laughs> I really hope he's at a con that we go to because I need to talk to that guy. Yeah. I Like, seriously, I don't know. I, I can't wait until we have enough influence that someone warns him of us. <laughs> Watch out for those board game mechanics. Yeah. Uh, if we can get a restraining order, that would be awesome. <laughs> Kind of, until it actually happens. <laughs> That's true. In theory, it's awesome. I, yeah, I don't really want it to play out, but. <laughs> so if you're a new listener, again, remember we talked earlier about like all the people who started listening now and like might be new to the show. We've got kind of an inside thing where 
we love like Stefan Feld a lot and like Jason loves him maybe too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. to the point where like he bought like the the like <laughs> stuffed monocle wearing Stefan Feld effigy and like he actually cuddles with it. Like I just played board <laughs> games with it. But I put like a Teddy Ruxpin in the middle of it and it would just talk to me about like the moves it wants to make on board games. And it was really hard to play board games with it. And it was like, all right, it's your turn, Stefan Feld Effigy. And he'd go, I'm Teddy Ruxpin. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, where do you want to go? Like, what position are you taking? So I don't know. Yeah. Me and my friend Glowworm. Uh, What does that even mean? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, he's the pillow is not a good board game player for sure. What was his worm friend's name? Teddy Ruxpins. It was, uh, I, don't uh, I don't know. Somebody knows I never, that. I never had one of those. My parents didn't love me enough. <laughs> so <laughs> the password is Teddy Ruxpins glowing worm buddy <laughs> on a slot machine that gives lucky charms out. You're going to have to use a little Photoshop skill this week. So oh, I bet people can find it. They found that crazy, those crazy tombstones with games on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I looked up that tombstone um later and i looked at a website called like the most interesting gravestones you'll ever find yeah and man some of them weren't interesting they were just like mean like one of them was like here lies my dad he was like a bad person and don't come warn him because he was just a terrible person i was like oh that's interesting but horrible why would you yeah what why do you have that on there watch mojo or whoever i found it yeah, that's terrible. Made me sad about life. So, again, the password is a tombstone <laughs> etched with a slot machine that gives Lucky Charms and Teddy Ruxman's glowworm friend. Yeah. Or whatever you want it to be. At this point, just say a password and you'll get a high five. Because our high fives are so worth it. <laughs> they are, for sure. We make you listen to 65 minutes of nonsense just so you can get a hashtag high five. Yep. And I don't know if we've gotten our patent through yet, but we're working on that no fast forwarding technology where you can't fast forward through the podcast. So, yep. Yep. And, and this week, I'm not editing anything out. It's all going to be in there. You got to listen to all of it. Uh, the fact that Jason even hinted at the fact that he's maybe thinking about editing this episode is a huge get for me. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, guys, um, I think we've had like a couple shows without a whole lot of nonsense in them. So I think we made up for this show. (laughs) Yeah. The last couple were serious and I didn't like it. So yeah, we're back. We're back now. Again, password is Cory and Topanga (laughs) Miniatures on top of a tombstone with a jackpot of Lucky Charms and Teddy Ruxman's glowing worm friend wearing a monocle playing Settlers of Catan. You keep adding to it every single time. So, yep. All this started because there's a Homestar Runner board game. Thanks, Brothers Chap. (laughs) Yeah, and we definitely need to get that game because I want to play it real bad. Yes, I agree. I will be backing that one. So start saving my pennies now. (laughs) All right, we probably need to wrap this mess up. (laughs) You know the other thing about the Homestar Runner uh, board game Um, Kickstarter? Is like it will probably be late, but you should expect that because it is Flash Player. So like it takes a while to load, and then you got to update your Flash Player in order to get the uh, and get the game, you know. So 
That's awesome. The only way I would play that game and love it a ton is if Homesar is a character in that game. I love that guy. The only way I want to play it is if it com- if it uses app technology because I want to hear it be narrated by Strong Bad or something. Oh yeah, that's true too. That'd be uh, awesome. I'm the song of the south. <laughs> that's not Strong Bad, is it? Is it? No, that's Homesar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. My I was mom like, I was a cup was like of coffee. Cool I don't even remember what he yeah. says, but it's like. One of the very early Homestar emails where he's like, why do you give Homestar such a hard time? It's like <laughs> that other character. Teen, teen Girl Squad, aren't they on there too? Oh, yeah, man. They're they're going to get their yeah. own board game, I think, though. They're, they're so terrible. <laughs> oh. The ugly one. <laughs> the ugly one. Uh, all right, Jason. Uh, uh, remember when I said at minute two, like there's a lot of nonsense <laughs> on here and they had to get it out. I'm pretty sure we said nothing of remote interest or content since then. So I've been Joel. (laughs) And I'm Jason. We'll see you guys later.